This is Ready Radio, preparing you to be ready for anything. Now, here's your survival guide for Ready Radio, John Rush. All right, and we are ready for Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it very much. And a shout-out to Sportsman of Colorado, Scott Wally, who was down there at the – who is down, I should say, at the uh, – uh, International Sportsman's Expo. It runs through the weekend. So, Scott, if you're listening, thanks for uh, what you did there in the live. It was a great show you guys had. And uh, I've thought ahead of time enough. I probably should have joined Scott down there today. But, you know, frankly, uh, didn't really think that far in advance. My bad. That was not Scott's bad. That was my bad. But I've got several things to talk about today regardless. Uh, By the way, if you've listened to this program for any length of time and you've thought, you know, maybe I would, you know, like to be, a part of that, as far as the partnership goes, reach out. I'm more than willing to talk to you about that. We've got lots of openings for all sorts of different businesses. doesn't have to be a preparedness-type business. Really, anything that that you feel you want to advertise uh, your business, you know, anything you want to advertise for your business, let me know. We can work that out. We've got a lot of great sponsors. I'll start off with Stack Optical, who Alan Stack, great individual. In fact, I just sent a client of mine to... Alan, uh, they'll be visiting him probably this next week. Anything else that you need, though, when it comes to your optical needs, that's Alan at Stack Optical. And it doesn't have to be just prescription glasses. It can be just a regular pair of sunglasses. It could be shooting glasses, safety glasses, a combination thereof. He's got the ability to put different lenses and different frames, and even you can do that yourself. You can change those out. Works very, very well. It's one of the slickest things out there. And, yes, I know some other companies do it, but... I will be the, the first to tell you they don't do it as well as Allen does because I've had some of those other brands of glasses in the past, and no, they are not the same. So you can get a full eye exam. By the way, one of the least expensive eye exams in town done by a very, very qualified uh, optometrist that, frankly, probably has forgot more than most young guys know, and I mean that sincerely. I had an eye exam there done not that long ago. Fabulous. My wife's going to go see him here in the next week or two. You name it, you can get it all done at Stack Optical 303-321-1578. And again, if you'd like to join our team here uh, by any means, it doesn't matter. what It could be Ready Radio, could be uh, Drive Radio, Fix-It Radio, you name it. If you'd like to talk to me about doing something along those lines for your business, please let me know. You can go right to the websites, any of them. Ready-Radio.com is the first one that we're on today. You can go there, send me a message, and I would be happy to discuss that with you. You can text us as well. All of the shows, the text line is the same, 307-200-8222, 307-200-8222. So <clears throat> I had a topic today I wanted to talk about, and I guess because something popped into my inbox, and I thought, you know, that's something that, you know, we talk a lot about uh, preparedness on ready radio, what to do in times of emergencies and so on. But I don't know that I've ever covered since we've been doing this what you should not do. Myths, for example, that surround the survival end of things. And sometimes these are just things that have been passed down from, you know, person to person, generation to generation. And I've learned personally uh, either either firsthand and or from you know just learning about these these particular things that these are correct and they are myths because not everybody really understands what it takes to survive. So 
I'll go through a few of these. I've got a couple of different lists. The first one is from a website called PocketGetPocket.com. Four survival myths that could get you killed. The first one is myth number one. And by the way, if you've got something you want to add to this list, lines are open. 303-477-5600. You can text us as well. 307 200 8222, as I said a moment ago, 307 200 8222 is the text line. You can text us and let me know, and I'll, I'll, I'll put those on as well. But you can also call in live. But myth, myth number one you can survive solely off of natural survival foods. Flip to the wild edible section of a survival book, and it will show you how to harvest inner tree bark for food, how to boil and reboil lily pad tubers. A skunk cabbage, etc. You'll also learn that hemlock needles are edible, plus how to cook and eat snails and so on. These are considered survival foods because they're things that are edible that you wouldn't likely eat normally. The myth here is that you can survive off of them for an extended length of time. But the reality is you're only eating if you're only eating survival food, foods, you'll start to feel sick and weak after a day or two. Uh, some of these survival foods have little to zero caloric value, which makes them pointless to eat. True. And any of you that have watched any of the series like Alone, for example, I've learned a lot, by the way, just watching Alone. I probably have learned as much about what not to eat or what to eat by watching that show because they get dropped off in a very remote area. Whoever lasts the longest wins. I think they start with like a dozen people. This is not naked and afraid, so they're not naked. They've got a few things with them. They've even got a certain amount. I think there's 10 items they can bring with them. And, yes, they've got uh, you know cold weather gear and so on because they're typically dropped off in the fall as it heads into winter, typically in remote areas of Canada, Alaska, places like that. And it's amazing what some of these individuals do to survive. Now, some, I will just flat out say, some of them are more stocky slash heavy set individuals that rely on their own inner fat, if you would, which your body will start to use in those particular situations. What I've noticed is the folks that start out very, very lean, even though that's great for being in shape and all of that, it's not great when you're trying to out survive the next guy for the next 90 days, roughly. Or I think they go anywhere between 60 and 90 days. I think the average is around 45 days or so. And, again, what I've learned is, number one, it takes a lot more food than you think to survive. Unless you're going to live off of your own fat. I don't know how else to say it. I'm not trying to be rude here. But if you've got, you know, love handles in the middle and some extra weight you're carrying, you will outlast the skinny guy. If, there's, if, if everything is, is constant... As far as the amount of food that you're taking in, yes, the fat guy will outlast the skinny guy. Typically, it's what I've noticed on the show. I, I don't know that there's any arguing that. It just is what it is. Th- those individuals have stored up. Body- in fact, some of the individuals, fr- pretty smart on their part, some of them will bulk up and add 40, 50 pounds even before going on the show knowing that their caloric intake is going to be way down. Now, I would not recommend that and i'm guessing their doctors are probably not recommending that but for a lot of them they do now i will also say that the thinner individuals that really are hunter gatherers and know how to fend for themselves they fare well 
because they know what to go out, get, eat, harvest, and so on. But again, point, t- you know, point being, there's a lot of these quote-unquote survival foods that folks think they can live on, you know, nuts and berries. Um, that's, that's not getting you very far. Any of you that have watched any kind of a survival show, Naked and Afraid, Alone, you know, things like that, you need, especially if you're going to be working, which typically when you're trying to survive you are, your caloric intake has to be much higher than it even is doing what you do today, unless you're a very, very, very active person. It's probably why when we go back and look at pictures of our ancestors, I've got pictures of mine clear back in the you know, early teens, late 1800s even, hardly anyone's fat. Just saying. You, you, you don't hardly find a fat person among them. Why? Because their activity level, just to survive day-to-day life, whether it be in the city or the country, especially those that are out in the country on a farm, is so high that they're burning calories constantly. And, of course, I think the foods they ate then were, were better and different than it is today. But their activity level is way higher than what ours is today. So myth number one, you cannot live off of natural survival foods. You need more substance than that. Number two. You can complete survival projects at a normal pace. No, you can't. Why? Because of what I just said. Keep in mind that when you're trying to survive and live off the land, every single thing you do to create food is now expending energy and using calories. We are spoiled where we feel like we're hungry. We go to the pantry, pop something in our mouth, or we go to the fridge and throw it in the microwave, or you get the drill. Even, I'll be the first to tell you, if I want a steak, I take one out of the freezer, I let it thaw out, I thought, you know, I throw it on the smoker or throw it into, you know, whatever I want to cook it in, and voila, my steak is ready. I didn't go kill it, I didn't butcher it, I didn't prep it. I didn't do anything at all to have that steak ready to eat other than go to the freezer. That's it. And then, of course, prepare it in the kitchen, which, again, in our world, is we are spoiled. It doesn't take much to prepare that meat to eat. Think about if that item were on the hoof, deer, elk, moose, pig, rabbit even, If that were on the hoof or the foot, think of how much harder it is to put that food on the table. It's where, frankly, we have now generations, plural, that go to the grocery store, they walk down the food aisles, they go to the meat section, and they think, I guess the grocery store just, I I guess the animals show up and disembark off of the truck, and magically they end up in front of you in a package. They don't have any idea what it takes to get that meat into the fresh food or you know that, that fresh area of the grocery store, even the frozen area. They, 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 they don't have any idea how that works. But again, myth, myth number two, you, you can compete survival projects at a normal pace. So it says another fun section of any survival book are the chapters on projects, often laden with drawings and primitive traps, fire pit designs, and various shelters. When you look at these projects, you might think you can do them in a survival situation. Not true. The myth here lies in the lack of understanding we have regarding the amount of time it takes to gather supplies, 
catch and hunt food, like I just said, cut wood, cook and eat, sustainable number of calories each day. After you've done all of this work, you only get a couple of hours left at the end of the day to work on projects such as shelter improvements or setting traps, the same project that you could bang out in a couple of days at home when you have access to tools and food and fuel could take you a couple of weeks out in the wild. Again, these are things that you have to think about as you're planning down the road and, you know, how am I going to survive in X situation? And I think even for a lot of folks, and I'm I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but there's a lot of folks down at the Sportsman's Expo right now, walking the aisles, looking at all the different things, the different hunts they can go on, the different things they can buy, even some of the survival things that we talk about on a routine basis. They're all there. I will go out on a limb here, though, and tell you that I'm guessing, minus maybe some of the exhibitors, about 90% of the people walking through there, even some of the folks buying hunts, could never make it on their own, even though they're in that world. They're hunters, fishermen, and so on. Not knocking anybody, by the way, but just saying on the reality side of the fence, just because you can buy a hunt doesn't make you a hunter. Just because you can buy a fishing trip doesn't make you a fisherman. Just because you can buy an outdoor event does not make you an expert in that area. Now, I've been on the guiding and the, the other side of that aisle, was, especially when I was a young man back in the day. So I understand what the guides and all of those folks are doing. And I will tell you, number one, hats off to those guys. It's a lot of work. When you are hosting, catering, and making sure that everybody is comfortable when you go do those sorts of things I just mentioned, it is a lot of work. And, yes, those individuals typically know everything they're doing like the back of their hand and have done it for a long, long time. And, again, hats off to them because it is not an easy thing to do that and keep everybody happy at the same time. Because keep in mind, those hunting camps, fishing camps, and so on, they have every level of expectation when folks show up. One person might not need much of all, much of anything. The next one might need every single thing done for them, including tying the fly on the line. I'm not exaggerating. Or, in some cases, pointing out where the animal is, and here, here's how you need to aim and make sure you can take down that animal. You, you would be shocked, some of you listening, at how some of that works. And, yes, I've seen some of that firsthand. And keep in mind, that was 30-some years ago. I'm sure it's worse now than it was 30-plus years ago when I was helping out at a hunting camp as a grunt. Anyways, those projects that you think right now are very easy, take away all of the amenities that you're used to, including electricity, and how long do those projects take? And again, any of you that have watched any of the shows alone, Naked and Afraid and so on, you see how shabbily some of their shelters are. Now, I will say that I've watched some of them where it's like, holy cow, you guys built a fortress. You individually built a fortress. It's, it's amazing. Those are typically the individuals that go the longest, by the way. That's the other thing I learned. He, he or she who has the best shelter probably goes the longest. And then, of course, add to that those that can go out and hunt and gather and feed themselves But this article is correct. That's one of those misconceptions. Oh, I'll have all the time in the world to do those projects. No, because you're looking for food, water, 
and the ability to sustain life, your own. Heaven forbid if you've got other people with you that you now have to do this with. Myth number three. If you kill a big game animal, you're set for food. Your body can't digest protein without fat. And you can't develop and you can develop protein poisoning without it. Rabbit, yes, that's the animal. Rabbit starvation and the French Canadian term mal de caribou, caribou sickness, are common colloquialisms for protein poisoning. In other words, you can have enough protein without the other things that go with it to where your body can't digest that properly. Despite what we're told on a daily basis in this country because of where we are as Americans, you need fat. The right kind of fat, but you need fat. Without that, you're, you're going to have problems. So basically, no matter how many rabbits, snails, Limpets or venison steaks you eat, you can still starve to death because your body can't digest all of that protein without fat. This is one of the reasons why beaver hunting and trapping was so key to many North American indigenous people for so long, because beavers are fatty. The fat from the black bear would have been of utmost importance as well. So you need fatty animals, fatty protein to eat. And and by the way, most wild game is not fat. They are not cattle sitting around a pasture eating and then being finished off in a feedlot before being slaughtered. That's not how it works in the real world. So the survival lesson here is that fat is much more precious in a survival situation than most people would think. Because it allows you to digest lean meats. Fat can be the difference between life and death in all of most hospitable environments. So that's another one to remember. You need to have fat. It's almost why, you know, again, back, I, I talk about the, the folks back in, you know, most of you have pictures of your ancestors. And you look at what they looked like. Keep in mind, they also lived on lard. What is lard? Fat. It's the good fat. But it's fat. You, you know, your great-grandmother, or even in my case, my mother and grandmother, I grew up, you know, in an early age knowing really quick what lard was because it was in a can in the kitchen. And if you wanted to go cook something, you grabbed a spoonful of it, you threw it in the pan, and you cooked whatever it is you were going to cook. And then you saved it and put it back in there. In fact, it was a cardinal sin to throw that out. I have grandparents... The, the women's side especially, that lived to be in their late 90s and ate that way their entire life. And yet we've got an entire several generations now that will tell you that was unhealthy eating, yet they lived into their 90s. Eating that way. Do we have it wrong today? You be the judge. I, I think in a lot of cases, yes, we, we have some of those things wrong. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll come right back. I've got another myth here plus a full another list that we're going to go through. If you want to add to this list, feel free to do so. It helps everybody else out that's listening. 303-477-5600. You can text as well. 307-200-8222.
In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. The last thing you need on your mind while trying to find the perfect gifts, fight traffic at the mall, and see all your loved ones is whether your roof is going to hold up against Colorado wind and snow. Hi, this is Madison Hart. And I'm Elizabeth Hart. Not ready to replace your roof this winter? Call our dad, Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado, and he may be able to save you thousands by adding five years of life to your existing roof with a rejuvenation treatment. Because it is a 100% plant-based product, there's no need to worry about your family. It's safe for kids like me. As a full-service roofing contractor, our dad can also replace a damaged roof. Not even hot cocoa tops that. Sleep in heavenly peace this season by gifting yourself a new or rejuvenated roof. Call our dad today at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaverCO.com to receive your $200 discount. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Every month is the same. You see the balance on your power bill and you feel months worth of compounding anxiety around your cash flow, inflation, and now another electricity rate increase. Alan Davis with Solar Energy Partners has a plan to save you money and proactively ease your anxieties in the future, too. The first part of his plan is to help you lower your power bill with solar energy by about 40% over the next 30 years, usually saving you more than $1,000 in the first year alone. By choosing to work with Alan, you're making an investment that saves you money and stress for years to come. The second part of his plan to save you money is to help you get away from the big power companies that keep increasing your rates. The third part is to eventually get you into a place where you pay nothing for your electricity usage. Call Alan Davis at Solar Energy Partners now to learn more about how he can save you money on your power bill. Set up a consolation appointment today, 303-378-7537, 303-378-7537, or visit klzradio.com slash sun. 
We live in uncertain times. Energy prices are through the roof. But what can you do? You only have one option for your electrical and natural gas needs. Absolute Electrical Heating and Air can help you keep those costs in line by giving you a free evaluation of your heating, cooling, and electrical demands. They have several ways to save you money, one of which is an infrared test to see where heating and cooling losses may be in your home. Once they do this, they can test and help you determine what can best be done to help reduce those losses and how you can save money. They also have more efficient devices that you can upgrade to that will save you money and make your home more comfortable year after year. So for all of your electrical heating and cooling needs, give them a call today at 720-526-0231 or find them at fixitradio.com or drive-radio.com. That's Absolute Electrical Heating and Air, our major sponsor of Fixit Radio, Drive Radio, and of course, Ready Radio. For quality and service beyond compare, call Absolute Electrical Heating and Air. All right, we are back. Ready Radio KLZ 560 website, ready-radio.com. And again, if you'd like to participate in what we do here, and that involves you know coming on air and, and uh, doing different things to promote whatever it is you have, you are more than welcome to do so. Uh, just go to ready-radio.com and let me know what it is you do, and we will get in touch with one another and see what we can't put together. Myth number four when it comes to myths about surviving. Number four. Practicing survival skills is the same as practicing survival. As you all know, no, it's not. Knowing how to make a fraction fire or how to whittle a paddle out of a log or how to nap stone arrowheads, which I have no idea how to do, nor would I need to, all have their place in a survival situation, especially making fire. You can Practice these things as much as you want, but the one survival skill that will trump all of these skills is the one you can't learn on YouTube. It's the skill of just being able to rough it. In other words, can you survive without all of the amenities that we have today? This is a skill that only comes with experience. One indicator that you have this skill is you notice that you're still having fun in a situation that others are complaining about. Accumulated experience in remote areas let you know when something like feeling cold, getting cut, or eating something rotten is actually a concern, and when it's not. So you know when to be concerned and when not to be. When you get to this point, it may appear to others that you enjoy misery, but you don't. It's just that it's not as miserable to you anymore. The myth here is assuming that practicing survival and bushcraft skills is good enough to prepare you for the real survival situation. But the truth is, this will not get you very far. You need to find controlled situations where you can just run back into the house when it starts raining, plan thought-out trips that will produce real outdoor scenarios where you need to use real survival skills. These scenarios may not be fun at the time, but they will build character and, of course, confidence. So much of survival is a mental game. When that is truly hard, often has a lot more to do with your mindset than your physical prowess or a skill set you might have learned in an out-of-context environment. 
In other words, you might be the quickest draw at the Wild West show, but how good are you when someone is actually shooting back at you? One of the things I've noticed in these survival shows, and my wife, she hates watching these with me because I'm always analyzing you know, what's going on and what somebody should or shouldn't have done. And, and I realize it's always easy to be that armchair quarterback and tell someone else on TV what they should have done. But to me, some of it is just so simple. And yet you watch some of the you know, PSR, which is their primitive survival skills, they do that on Naked and Afraid. They give them this PSR at the beginning and then a PSR at the end. What's amazing to me is some of the folks that enter with some of the highest PSR ratings. In other words, these guys have got skills, these guys and gals both. They've got skills like no tomorrow. They can, they can, you know, they can make that arrowhead. But they can't survive the night being eaten by bugs. Or whatever the case may be. I'm always baffled by the bug thing. And that would be, by the way, that that would drive you probably the most crazy. You're, you're naked. You're out somewhere in the middle of the jungle. You've built a little bit of a shelter. You've got fire. But, man, the bugs, the mosquitoes, the gnats, they're just, they're just making your life utter, an utter hell. And I could see how. The littlest of things are making this, this grown human adult just miserable. But I've never been able to understand. I've seen a few people do it on the shows, but I've never understood why you wouldn't go find yourself a nice mud source and just wipe your entire body down in mud. Just you know, put a layer on it to keep the bugs off, even if it's just at night. And there's other natural remedies to keep bugs away, which I'm not going to get into right now. But you know, again, it goes back to this whole PSR survival skill. And some of these folks that go on some of these shows are even survival trainers themselves and what i've learned not knocking anybody that's a survivalist that's a trainer of but what i've learned is in these particular shows and again it's tv i get that are they rigged i have no idea but what i've noticed with these trainers they're some of the first ones to quote unquote tap out and in a lot of cases it's the Kind of the frumpy fat dude that just sort of, you know, even keel, even pace, does his thing or she does her thing. It seems to be those that are just level-headed, that just kind of keep trudging along, that end up doing better than even the person that's got all the quote-unquote skills. So this article, by the way, is very correct. You, you cannot... It's hard to practice for these things, I guess is what I'm trying to say and what they're saying. These are hard things to do. You know, I would have to ask some folks, even when it comes to surviving, have you ever been lost in the woods? Do you know what that feeling is like? If you did, did how did you get out of it? How did you find your way back? I mean, to me, those are some of the basics of if you've not been in those situations and you don't know how to get out of it, you've probably not been in a situation where survival is of the utmost. And I'm not bragging, but, yeah, I've been in a couple of different situations where, you know, I, we were in a, a situation one time even as youth where we had a leader and we got lost. And how do you know you get lost? You travel in circles. Sometimes people don't even know they're lost until they start realizing, oh, oh, I, that, that, I've, I've seen that before. Well, yeah, because when you're lost, you 
have a tendency to whatever your dominant foot is. If you're right-handed, right-footed, you will have a you will have a tendency to walk in a counterclockwise rotation, and you will end up right back where you started from. It, depending upon your stride and how long your legs are, and so on, that will have a bearing upon how big the circle is. But eventually, you end up back where you started. Anyways, how do you avoid getting lost? If you're lost, how do you find your way? These are all things that need to be required if you're going to survive. And again, we're talking about, I know, end-of-the-world type scenarios or not. I talked last week how the snowstorms we had over the holiday season, people back east... What was it, like 44 deaths or something, Charlie, I want to say? It was a very large number, almost 50 deaths. And some of those were caught out in the cold. Some of them died at home, and, you know, all sorts of things happened. But I just, I think in a modern world like we live in today, to have any of that happen, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. All right, so i got another list. Other myths. These are myths about the cold. Now, we live in an area where we can get very cold at times. Today's a fairly nice day. What is it out right now? About 56 degrees, so pretty nice day outside. But it, it will get cold, and depending upon what part of the state you're in at any given time, it can be very cold. It can, get, it can get really cold in the middle of July, depending upon where you're at in this state. We hear about you know people climbing 14ers in July and end up ending up with hypothermia because they weren't prepared for the conditions. So myths about the cold. Rub frostbitten skin never when frostbite occurs or it occurs when crystal forms in the skin and other tissue rubbing the injury causes more tissue damage so actually rubbing it doesn't help painkillers do because it hurts goes back to some of what we talked about the past few weeks. Do you even have some of those on you when some of these circumstances would come up? Number two, this is a big one. <clears throat> Everybody gets this one wrong. Drinking liquor will warm you up. No, it gives you the deception that you're warm, but no, your body is not any warmer. You've all been to those, you know, I have anyways, football games where it's freezing cold out and some knuckleheads running around shirtless. Because he's all alcoholed up. Is he warmer than you? No, he's just numb to it. And a knucklehead to boot. And it's a good way to end up with hypothermia and have other issues. Liquor is the last drink you need in cold weather survival scenarios. Although you may feel warmer, alcohol actually dilates skin surface blood vessels and capillaries, which will chill your core even faster Instead, drink hot tea, hot cocoa, hot water, anything that's warm. Alcohol is not your friend when you're cold. It is not warming you up. Number three, all base layers work equally well. Now, we pretty much in Colorado because of the, how should I say this, the industries that are here where a lot of the things that we're talking about when it comes to staying warm, clothing, ski clothing, all those things, a lot of it is they're invented here. I don't know if a lot of you realize that or not, but you look up in the area, uh, some of our mountain communities are even bolder, and how many mountaineering slash cold weather gear things are out there and how much of that has come out of that area, a lot. Whole companies have been formed 
in those areas for the things that we're talking about. And no, all base layer is not created equal. Cotton is probably the worst base layer you could ever wear. I mean, everything from a cotton shirt, a hoodie, a, a T-shirt, no. Even, even a base layer T-shirt that's made of cotton, no. Wrong answer. Cotton will make you feel cold because it retains all of the sweat that's naturally coming off of your body at all times. And fortunately, when I was a kid and Charlie was a kid, we didn't have a lot of base layer options. These companies I mentioned a moment ago up in the Boulder and other areas around the world had not really come into existence yet. And I can tell you firsthand, when I was a kid, about the only base layer you could come up with was a pair of long underwear that was probably cotton. The poly, you know, the poly stuff didn't come along until later, until I was older, teenage years. When I was a young, a young boy, I, you just bundled up the best you could and hoped for the best because we didn't have much of anything else. Wool. And if that was against your skin, you just itched something fierce, so nobody really wanted to do that. I remember as a kid, and you guys are going to laugh at this, but I remember as a kid, if I really wanted to stay warm on my legs, you put pantyhose on. Why? Because it wasn't cotton. And it gave you that layer between your leg and whatever else you were wearing, and the pantyhose actually made you warmer. I know it sounds kind of weird, but that's what you did. I used to buy legs, Charlie, and the little eggs. <laughs> He's laughing at me. <laughs> Number four, don't feed a victim of hypothermia. Normal shock treatment and hypothermia treatments are different. You don't, for example, want to feed someone who may be going back into shock because he can vomit and choke while unconscious. However, in mild to moderate hypothermia cases, high, high caloric foods can be given in small, repeated doses to create metabolic heat in the victim and help him or her restore their own heat-generating ability. So... Again, you don't want to feed somebody that's in hypothermia. If you do, you have to be really careful what it is because the last thing you want them doing is vomiting and having a problem that way. Number five, let a hypothermic victim get some sleep. That's a, these are myths, okay? Don't let them sleep. After the shivering, confusion, slurred speech, and clumsiness of hypothermia have manifested an exposure eviction an exposure victim also gets drowsy. This is a serious warning sign because sleep can lead to death. Keep the victim awake, awake as you warm them up. Do not let them fall asleep. And you, you guys have seen that in some of the movies and different things where they're trying to make sure the person stays awake. You can tell they're starting to go into shock. They've got hypothermia. Because what happens is literally you just fall asleep and don't wake up. Which is not a good thing. We, we want people to stay alive. Uh, real quick before we go to our next break, number six, a hot tub will, will cure hypothermia. Um, rewarming is the main way to treat someone whose core temperature has dipped far below 98.6 degrees, but dropping somebody in a jacuzzi will cause excruciating pain and could even trigger a heart attack. So no. You don't want to take someone that's in that situation of hypothermia and go drop them into a whatever, a spa, a, a hot springs, anything along those lines. You'd have to be very, very careful about that, and you have to warm them up gradually. So we're going to take a break. We're coming right back. 
Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses? will look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right, since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. We live in uncertain times. Energy prices are through the roof, but what can you do? You only have one option for your electrical and natural gas needs. Absolute Electrical Heating and Air can help you keep those costs in line by giving you a free evaluation of your heating, cooling, and electrical demands. They have several ways to save you money, one of which is an infrared test to see where heating and cooling losses may be in your home. Once they do this, they can test and help you determine what can best be done to help reduce those losses and how you can save money. They also have more efficient devices that you can upgrade to that will save you money and make your home more comfortable year after year. So for all of your electrical, heating, and cooling needs, give them a call today at 720-526-0231 or find them at fixitradio.com or drive-radio.com. That's Absolute Electrical Heating and Air, our major sponsor of Fixit Radio, Drive Radio, and of course, Ready Radio. For quality and service beyond compare, call Absolute Electrical Heating and Air. The last thing you need on your mind while trying to find the perfect gifts, fight traffic at the mall, and see all your loved ones is whether your roof is going to hold up against Colorado wind and snow. Hi, this is Madison Hart. And I'm Elizabeth Hart. Not ready to replace your roof this winter? Call our dad, Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado, and he may be able to save you thousands by adding five years of life to your existing roof with a rejuvenation treatment. Because it is a 100% plant-based product, there's no need to worry about your family. It's safe for kids like me. As a full-service roofing contractor, our dad can also replace a damaged roof. Not even hot cocoa tops that. Sleep in heavenly peace this season by gifting yourself a new or rejuvenated roof. Call our dad today at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. 
or go to RoofSaversCO.com and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916 or go to RoofSaversCO.com to receive your $200 discount. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. All right, we are back. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Somebody also texted in and said, also, when uh, you're in those really cold situations like that, keep your sweat to a minimum. Yes, thank you for that. Very, very true. John and Cheyenne, you're next. Yeah, that was one of the first ones I was going to say is if you start sweating, take off a layer. Yep. Even if you start shivering, let your body dry out and then put that layer back on. Because all you're going to end up and with then- is wet clothes that get cold. Yep, and even if you're wearing, like, a a good uh, synthetic base layer against your skin, which will wick the moisture away, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it's not going to get soaked at a certain point. That's that's exactly right. Great point. Great point. So the other thing is um, one of the things people don't realize is how much extra warmth you get out of your rain jacket. Oh, good point. It's a hard hard shell, and it breaks. It breaks the wind. Yeah. Yep, you're wearing a puffy jacket. Well, that raincoat over the top of it will add probably 10 degrees of warmth. Yeah, because to your point, warm, you're, you're, A, you're containing more of the heat inside. It's not releasing out. And, right. B, the, the wind's not cutting through it either. Correct. So, and so that's why if you're carrying a raincoat and rain pants and it starts getting cold and you're cold, slide those on. It's going to at least help you from not losing heat, and that's the key. The other myth that you hear all the time, well, I, I wear extra clothes in my sleeping bag to keep me warmer. Yeah, that's a myth, too. <laughs> One layer, because the sleeping bag keeps you warm by keeping the body heat that's that the right. expelling yeah. in the bag. That's right, and, and not having that <laughs> expelling of the body heat by having you know clothes on, John, just makes it, yeah. it actually makes it worse. It, it, it's not helping. Yeah, it's not. Now, one layer is fine, because that's going to let the go through and it might help you keep you a little warmer here's the other one though oh i have a 30 degree sleeping bag so i'll be safe (laughs) yeah won't you though but if you read your label closely 30 degree if it's a 30 degree that might be the survival rating which means you're not going to freeze to death in it but you're not going to be you're not going to be comfortable either no what i've what i've known over the years john and maybe it's Change, but mm-hmm. this has just always been my rule of thumb is if I want to be warm at 30, then I need a zero bag. If I want to be warm at zero, I need a negative 20 bag. They, they've actually adjusted that over the years because the, the industry, 
the different big companies, I don't know, Marmot, right. Big Agnes, you know, you know all the brands, I don't have to tell you. They kind of got together and there's kind of like a standard now and usually like on my sleeping bag and it's an REI brand, it says survival, uh, okay and comfort. So you can look on the nice. bag now and it tells nice. you the difference of what you could survive with and what you can be comfortable with. And but the other thing I was watching a video and you want there's some stuff on you. There's this guy, he lives in the Canadian Rockies outside Calgary and he does winter camping at like minus fifty Celsius. No thanks. <laughs> Ten, no thanks. Okay, but but when you watch him, he shows you how like he'll use a zero or a twenty below sleeping bag, and a synthetic quilt on top of it. Mm, okay. To let the air out. But that's the thing, you, you know. Against the skin, you want those synthetics, like you were talking about. You don't want cotton. Nope. You don't want, you know. No. Nope. But you, up above it, you want something like a fleece or a puffy jacket or both. I mean, usually if I'm going out and it's really cold, I'll have a synthetic tee. And I'll have a fleece over that, and then either a hard shell or a puffy jacket, you know, soft shell mm-hmm. jacket. And those three layers will keep you warm. But then you got to remember the other thing hat, gloves. Those are the things that good gloves are great until they get wet. Then what are you going to do? Yeah, and if you really want to stay warm, I know they're not the easiest, well, they're awful to work in, but mittens still work better than gloves to get those fingers oh. together, not separated. I got. And I hate to say it, but I was young and stupid one time, like we all were. I got frostbite when I was in the service on my hands mm. and on my ears. Mm. And if it's below 35 degrees outside, if I don't have a knit cat cover in my ears, I get it's still painful. They hurt, day. don't they? Never, right? Yeah. And the tips of my fingers. So if it's below like 20 degrees outside, I got a good set of mittens. <laughs> and now, isn't I'll that funny how that works, where once you've had that damage, you can just always feel it from that point forward? It does, and it's painful. Yeah. And it was because we were in, in Germany. I don't know if you've ever been in Germany, but the Have weather not. in the winter there, it's, it's, it's cold, 25, 30 degrees, but it's always like 90 humidity, and it's damp, and it's rainy a lot and everything. So you just – it's hard to stay warm and dry. Yeah, no thanks. No. But, you know, you're, this is a great subject with the myths. The other myth is I'm going to be fine. I have my Garmin with me. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. Says who? Really? If, yeah, really? And the batteries. And you forgot to turn it off the last time you used it, and when you pull it out to use it, the batteries are dead. Yeah. The other thing, and, and, and this, I, I don't know how to say this in a nice way, John, but there are some people that directions are not a problem. They just automatically, they just sense, okay, this is this is north, right south, way. east, west, and so yeah. on. They're just very directionally capable. There are also folks that are very directionally challenged. And what I would say is oh, if yeah. you're an individual that is directionally challenged, you need to have as many aids with you as you can because you're going to need more than what the next guy does. Right. So what's, what's the basics that they've used for a thousand years? A compass, compass and a map. Yeah. yeah. And a map. If you have a map and a compass and know how to use them, it's harder to get lost when your electronics go. Correct. I, I, <laughs> I would, I would, I guess maybe it's just I'm so I old school, John. It's almost map. as easy for me to have a, a, you know, and this is weird for me because I'm a very much an electronic techie type guy. Oh, but I know. <laughs> you give me that, you give me that situation. I think I'd rather have the printed map and a compass as opposed to, you know, any yep. other electronic device. It's easier. I, 
if we're going backpacking or camping, and that's the other thing you were talking about, will they survive? Well, they might know everything, but they don't have that. We're soft today. I mean, how many kids have gone camping where they slept in a tent on the ground with uh, either a foam pad or a little skinny air mattress in a sleeping bag? Very few. Camping to them is daddy's 40-foot fifth wheel that you were talking about last week. Glamping. Yeah. But, and, and that's like, why do I want to just take my whole house and go to the woods? If I wanted to do that, I could build a house in the woods. Right. Right. You know, Good point. I, when I go camping, when I go camping, it's tent, you know, on the ground, in a tent. Yeah, I mean, we, even, even when, you know, last time we went camping, me and the boys, uh, right. I, I've... I haven't I haven't owned an RV, John, in years and years and years. And the last several times we went was exactly the way you're talking. And part of that was just because, number one, it's easier, simpler. We'd backpack in. There wasn't any people around you. I mean, at the end of the day, ah. it was it was more fun. But then at the same time, to- at the same time, I just felt like it taught the boys some things about camping, quote unquote, real camping that you wouldn't have got any other way. No, exactly. And that. I've taken our, our granddaughters have gone out twice. Now they're young. They're this year, they're 11 and 10 right now, and they've gone out a couple of years ago. So they were small, so we didn't walk in far. But I started teaching them. You know, you got to carry your even far enough where you make... can't see the road anymore. John is far enough. Oh yeah, like a mile, mile and a Correct. half or something like that. Correct. And you know, this summer they'll be back again. They'll be older. Maybe we'll go. Those are life skills, John. They're not going to get any other place. No, and you know these are. That's why, and because of that, I I feel like they're learning more independence that kids aren't getting today. I mean, you you know, you see the fifth wheel going down down the road, and they're going to pull into a campground. Yeah, maybe they'll go for a hike in the woods, but not the same. And and by the way, you (laughs) too, John. I think the other thing that you teach them is you know not only how to survive but even some of these articles we've been we've been you know i've been reading through it's the confidence level that those that you know that those girls will now have Mm -hmm. as well and and let's face it the in those situations where things have really gone awry it's the person that's got some confidence can keep a level head that knows how to think through all the problems Mm -hmm. that's going to survive versus somebody that doesn't exactly and that's and that's the thing, if, if you've ever taken a survival course or anything, the first thing they do is when you get in a bad situation is they tell you to stop, take a break, breathe, and calm down so you can think rationally and not go into panic mode. Correct. Because that's, what kills, that's Correct. what kills most people in a survival mode is the panic. It's the panic, you know. And I, have you, you know, again, I even watch these these shows. And granted, they're not really panic because mm-hmm. they know there's producers and folks around that can always come and step what? in and save them and so on. But they they don't have that. But you could see how some of these individuals, if they didn't have that, even some of the most seasoned quote unquote veteran guides, like I talked about earlier, the trainers. Uh, you know, you can just watch, you can see it in their eyes at times. It's like, wait a minute, you, you've got a producer, you know, on set that's not that far away. If you got, I'm sure you've got some sort of a whistle, sat phone, something that if things go awry, mm-hmm. you can get somebody in. But you can still see sometimes the panic in their eyes. Yep. The one I always like the best of those survival shows is that show Survivor Man. Oh, that's a good one. He used, yeah. he used to go out by himself, and all he had, he said, and he told you right up front, I have a safety I have a sat phone if it goes awry. But he didn't have any crews, any producers, anything else. All he had was him and his cameras. Wow. And that made it a little bit more realistic when you know. Agreed. And there was one show that he said, I have to call in to get evacuated because I can't get out of here. 
Wow. And he called in and they brought in a helicopter and brought him out. Wow. And that was kind of interesting that he did say, I'm at a point where I can't get, I can't make it out. Mm. So what are we going to do? Mm. But he's always, he's always interested. If you, if you look in there on YouTube, but he's got one where he's in the Canadian Rockies with two horses and he gets lost wow. for a week and he's wow. got to survive with just what you would take out for like a day ride. Wow. That's tough. That's tough. It's a good one, though. It's worth watching. I'll do that. I'll look it up. I appreciate that. I'll look it up. John, thanks, man. Have a great night, and uh, we'll talk to you, I'm sure, again here, not too distant future. Really quick, there's also a bunch of myths about wild animals, and I would tell you just to read up on some of those things because not everything is as safe to eat as you may think. And depending upon your body makeup, especially eating raw food, depending upon what it is, you may or may not be able to do that. In other words, there's some folks that have a, have allergies and different things depending upon what it is they're eating. I was, I guess, blessed early on, as a, I guess, as a kid, because that's usually where some of those allergies and such come from. I, and Charlie knows this. I can pretty much eat anything. I'm, I'm very fortunate that way. Doesn't matter what it is. I'm very lucky that way. But not everybody is that way and you've got to be you got to you've got to know this is what I should say you have to know on the front side what is it I can eat what is it that I should not eat should stay away from and every area of the country is going to be different the other myth is cut and suck a snake bite that's what you see in the movies no that doesn't really work you need to tourniquet that off try to keep that poison from spreading Sucking it out is is just an old you know cowboy you know sort of like the uh, OK Corral gun shoots uh, you know those didn't really happen as often as the westerns make them sound. That's another one of those myths where if you get bit by a snake, you can suck the venom out, spit it out, and you're all good good to go. No, that's not true. Um, anyways, John McBread out some great points. I've got a few more of these we may go through next Friday as well. There's some things even about navigation. There are some some myths on that as well. We'll get into some of that also next week. So anything else you'd like to suggest, let us know. Go right to ready-radio.com. And, again, if you'd like to be a part of what we do here, by all means, go to the website as well. Let me know. We'll get together and figure that part of it out as well. So, again, this is Ready Radio. Ready-radio.com is the website. This is KLZ 560. and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.